Amen. You may be seated, everyone. Thank you, worship team, for leading us today. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. If this is your first day here at New Life, uh, we're absolutely thrilled that you're with us today. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if this is your first time here, at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area. And if I've never met you before, I would love to meet you. So before you head out, uh, please approach me, uh, introduce yourself. I I would love to get your name before uh, we head out of here. Before I get into my text here, I want to let you know that uh, today's the last day that we're going to be uh, receiving nominations for new elders. We're we're setting in new elders in January. And so if you know someone that you think uh, has maturity, uh, would be a a great elder in our church here, uh, there is uh, some forms in the back area. Uh, You can fill that out. You can hand it to one of our ushers or one of our staff before you head out of here. Also, this Saturday we have uh, our Cardia conference. This is, I think, our third year doing it where we take uh, all of our leaders. In the past years, we've had about 200 leaders that come uh, for this gathering here. Uh, and we're having uh, Ken Shigematsu with us. Ken is a, a friend of ours. He's a pastor uh, in Vancouver, Canada, of a wonderful multi-racial, multi-ethnic cult, uh, church down there in Vancouver. And he's going to come. He's going to lead us. He's a, an amazing man of God. If you haven't registered for it, I want uh, to invite you to do that today so we can have a head count for the amount of food to order. And so if you're in any kind of leadership role at New Life, from kids ministry to worship to small groups to our CDC, sign up today. And if you are thinking about leadership but you're not in leadership right now, you're more than welcome to come as well. We're actually going to have a breakout session for folks aspiring to some kind of leadership at New Life. So please, if you can, today, tomorrow, go on our website or sign up downstairs. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, beginning of verse 22, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's very familiar, uh, and it's a passage that I've been wrestling with and thinking about for the last few months And I believe God's going to speak to us very uh, specifically and very powerfully today. And so uh, Matthew 14, beginning in verse uh, 22, this is the English Standard Version here. So there's a little variation from maybe the version that you have in front of you. Uh, But uh, the the passage picks up uh, from where Pete left us off two weeks ago, where Jesus uh, multiplies bread and fish to feed multitudes of people. And so right after that event, we find this passage here in Matthew 14. Uh, Hear the word of the Lord. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. You might want to underline that phrase in your Bible there. It's a a phrase we're going to come back to. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Isn't it interesting that we can be right smack in in the middle, in the center of God's will, and still face opposition in terrible storms? And the fourth watch, which is 3 a.m. of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. A wonderful pre-Halloween sermon here. (laughs) And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Who asked this kind of question, you know? Uh, And he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer is that by the end of this sermon that we would all say about your son Jesus, truly you are the son of God. Lord, I pray you would speak to us with clarity, with power, with anointing. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us a heart to receive everything you want to give us today. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. At one point of our lives or another, uh, we will be in a place that's unfamiliar to us. And that unfamiliar place will cause fear and anxiety. On the first day of school this year, I saw this firsthand. As we dropped Karis off at school, uh, kids were lining up to their class. And since it was the first day of school, kids had name tags on. And so I was able to see the names of the kids. And as Karis and her class uh, were dismissed to go to their class, uh, I saw a little girl named Victoria. Victoria is five years old. She was going into her first day of kindergarten. Victoria evidently was very afraid. She was crying. Tears were streaming down, and her father was right next to her. And she kept saying, Dad, I don't want to go. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Don't leave me all of that. And the father said, honey, you have to go. And, and, and finally, as she's walking away, she's still crying. She's still weeping. And as the, father, as the father sees her walking into the distance, I'm right next to the man. The father grabs onto the fence there. And, and, and he, she can't hear him at this point because she's far, far down. He starts going, be brave. <laughs> be brave. And at that moment, I don't know if he was saying it for himself at that moment or <laughs> if he was saying it for his daughter because she, she couldn't hear him at that point. But at that moment, that first day of school became an unfamiliar place for father and daughter, and the result was fear and anxiety. Last week, my family learned of the tragic news that my eldest uncle passed away as a result of a heart attack in Pennsylvania. And the tragic event led to incredible pain and grief this past week for our family. And especially for the immediate family, his four children and his wife, they were filled with fear and anxiety about the future. Uh, This became and has become an unfamiliar place, and the result has been fear. A couple of days ago, it was discovered that a New York City doctor contracted the Ebola virus. And in the span of just minutes, the city went into a hysteria. If you look on Facebook at the time that it was announced, this news, all of a sudden, pictures and fear and, 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 and outbreak. Did you see outbreak? This is what's going to happen to us here. And all of a sudden, uh, a new reality came to us, and New York City became an unfamiliar place. And the result was fear, let alone that more people are going to die from bee stings than from the Ebola virus this year. But we were filled with fear and anxiety. Our world is fueled by fear. Fear makes the world go round. As one uh, CBS journalist decades ago said, a man by the name of Eric Severine, he said at the Associated Press, he gave this quote where he said that the biggest business in America is not steel, automobiles, or television. It is the manufacturer, refinement, and distribution of anxiety. Just look at the evening news or, or news websites. After about five minutes, you're filled with fear. You're filled with anxiety, and it's safe to say that in our generation, in a post-9-11 generation, we can be identified as a generation of fear. 
We are a fearful people. We're afraid about our financial future, afraid about our children's future, afraid about our health, afraid about our safety. We are perpetually on edge. Our world is fueled by fear. But this is not the way of Jesus. And this is not the way of the kingdom of Jesus. In our text this morning, there is a classic story about fear. The disciples uh, have an experience with fear that they remember the rest of their lives and they wrote it down to share with future generations. Our text this morning is connected a couple of weeks ago to Pete's message about Jesus performing an incredible miracle with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And he fed uh, what would be the equivalent to 20,000 people, which would be the size of a packed Madison Square Garden. And after this remarkable uh, miracle, Jesus sends his disciples away and Jesus goes out to pray. And so Jesus says, guys, why don't you go to the other side of the sea and I'll meet you there. Now, if, if I'm the disciples, I'm going to say to Jesus, Jesus, we, we came with you on the boat. How, uh, did you, do you have a jet ski we don't know of? Uh, is there another boat that you have? That you, how are you going to get to the other side if we came together? But they don't ask the question. They just, okay, they listen to Jesus and Jesus goes away to pray and they go on the sea. Now, these are trained fishermen, but in their journey, they come against significant opposition. And no matter what age you are, how old you are, how seasoned of a Christian you are, no matter who you are, from time to time, you will come against opposition. You will come against forces that will be coming against you. And and in their lives, at this moment, on the sea, trained fishermen, they are faced with significant opposition. Life became incredibly difficult for them. And Matthew notes, the gospel writer, that there are two challenges before them. The first challenge was, he says, that they were a long way from the land. And that line is incredibly significant because Matthew's saying they're at a place where they can't go back anymore. And and they're long from from the land and they're not at the place where they can arrive at. See, they're somewhere stuck in the middle. And in the middle of the sea, in the darkness of it, at this moment, it's between 12 midnight and 3 a.m. It's dark, it's windy, the waves are beating against the boat. This is a scary moment for the disciples. Now, this isn't the first time that they've been in a storm. The other time that they've been in a storm was in a moment where the same sea came against them, wind and waves and darkness. But in that situation, Jesus was in them, with them in the boat. But Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And they had to wake Jesus up and say, Jesus, are you afraid that we're going? Don't you care about us? What we say to Jesus, don't you care about us? We are going to die. In that situation, Jesus was with them in the boat. This situation might be a little bit worse because they're in a storm, but Jesus is nowhere to be found. I'd rather have a sleeping Jesus than to have a Jesus that I can't find. And so the disciples are in a situation where where God is not present, Jesus is not present, he is not there, and they are battling with the sea far away from land without Jesus. And I imagine at that moment that the questions that they're asking is, am I going to survive this? Will we get through this? And many of you in this room, you can identify with these disciples. We know what it feels like to be in this moment where the disciples, because at at some point or another in our lives, we will be far away from land. We will be far away from what's familiar. And you're probably asking yourself this question in light of what you're facing today. Will I survive this? Will I get through this? Because this is unfamiliar territory. Life will inevitably take us places we've never been before, which produces fear in us. And the question is, will we survive it? Because to be in the storm far away from Jesus is a scary thing. 
For some of us in this room, to be far away from land is actually very literal. In Helmhurst, in our neighborhood here, 70% of the residents are foreign-born, which is the highest of the city. And so for many of you coming here to the United States, I imagine has been a, a tremendous challenge for you. And you can identify with the disciples in this story because you are a long way from what's familiar. You're a long way from land. For some of you, maybe you came from another state, maybe from uh, California, the Midwest, coming to New York City for a pursuit of a different career or for a different life, and perhaps you're having difficulty adjusting and you feel far from land and you're in a storm and you're wondering, where in the world is Jesus? You can identify with the disciples. Perhaps you're one of our new neighbors in the Family Boulevard residence, just a couple of blocks away, and all of this is new for you, a whole new neighborhood, a whole new situation, something that you didn't plan. You're an unfamiliar territory, long way from the land. Last year, I moved from Brooklyn to Queens, just a 15-minute drive, and you would have thought that I moved from Brooklyn to Iowa. Because it was unfamiliar territory. I'm used to Brooklyn. I'm used to the Brooklyn mentality. And now I'm in a whole new place, a long way as it seems, from land. This story, however, is not just about a geographical distance or a geographical issue. The statement speaks to the reality of being in an unfamiliar place. Maybe you've lived in the same place for a long time, but now you're in a situation where you feel far from land. You are out of control. For some of you, this year can be described as being in unfamiliar territory. Maybe you're in unfamiliar territory with your marriage. Maybe you've experienced some stability up to this point, but this past year has rocked you a little bit. And now you realize that at one point you were on land where it was safe and was familiar. And now you're at a place right now where there's some instability and you feel like you're far away from land. Maybe a long-term relationship has ended and you feel far away from land. Maybe you lost your job that you had for many years and you're far away from land. Maybe you're starting a new job and you feel far away from land. Maybe a loved one passed away and you feel far away from land. You're in unfamiliar territory. Maybe you were tired and you're realizing you're far away from land. I know what it's like to be far from land. I experienced this this past year when I was far from land because of a health battle that I faced. On March 24th, I woke up with a big, uh, just sore pain area on my neck. And about an hour or so after I woke up, I realized that I had a lump on my neck the size of a ping pong ball on March 24th. And the following two weeks, um, I started to feel very fatigued. I started to feel very tired. My appetite was gone, and, and I was just very lethargic. And, and I wanted to sleep a lot. I didn't want to eat. And, and I started catching fevers every day. I probably had fevers for 30 days straight and night sweats. And uh, while Rosie would be wearing a t-shirt and Karis wearing a t-shirt, I'd be shivering in the living room. And so I went to the doctor and, and the doctor looked at me and said, this is not normal. And I said, duh. And, uh, and, and, and the doctor said, let's give you some antibiotics, but nothing seemed to work. And then at that moment, I started doing my own research. Don't do your own research when you're sick, all right? <laughs> Don't do your own research. Receive this as a prophetic Lord from the word, a word from the Lord. Don't do your research while you are sick. So I started doing research, and uh, and by by ten minutes into it, I was like, I have three days to live. I was like, this is <laughs> this is this is terrible. And uh, I remember one night in particular where I was experiencing night sweats and I couldn't sleep, and I started researching at three o'clock in the morning, and an incredible amount of dread overtook me. Anxiety overtook me. 
And my mind started going places that, uh, th- imagining the worst possibilities, the worst scenarios. And after a, a couple of uh, treatments uh, the, uh, or uh, visits, the doctor said, Rich, I think we need to do a biopsy, which in- increased my level of anxiety. And after some uh, tests, it came back that I had a tuberculosis. Uh, not in my lungs, which, uh, but in my lymph nodes. And at that point, uh, there were two now ping pong ball uh, size lumps on my neck there. Uh, but because it wasn't in my lungs, I wasn't contagious. Just because some, before some of you are wondering, should I give Rich a handshake by the end of the service here? <laughs> and they said, you have tuberculosis of the lymph nodes. Maybe she said someone coughed on you on the subway or something like that. It's a rare case of this happening. And so I began a series of treatments taking t- 10 pills a day. Uh, and by the grace of God, the treatment has worked fine. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with it. It's, uh, it's an experience for a couple of months. I'm in a wonderful place right now, but it was a place at that moment that was far away from land, far away from what's familiar. And when you're far away from what's familiar, your worst fears come alive. And in a place far away from land, we start thinking about the worst possible scenarios. As one German proverb says, fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. And fear and anxiety will make you go places in your mind that you, t- you should not go. And it cripples us. And, and what's frustrating about the story is the disciples are experiencing a lot of fear. And what's worse about it is Jesus is nowhere to be found. I mean, Jesus, if, if I'm going through this, can you be at least present with me? Can you reassure me of your presence? There's nothing worse than experiencing a, a storm situation and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Have you ever asked that question? God, where are you? Where are you when I need you most? Where is Jesus when you need him most? This is probably what the disciples are asking. They're probably asking, where is Jesus? And in the midst of a storm, in a place far from land, in their dread, in their anxiety, in their fear, Jesus shows up. Now notice in the story that the disciples are struggling in the boat and Jesus comes to them. And I love that because Jesus is the one who's always initiating it. Jesus is always coming to you. Whether you're coming to him or not, he's always pursuing you. He's always coming to you to to rescue you and to be with you. And in the midst of the storm, the, the, the disciples are in survival mode. Their lives are flashing before their eyes. Water's coming into the boat to flood. They're having a hard time navigating. It's 3 a.m. They can hardly see where they're going. And at one moment in their journey, at 3 a.m. in the morning, I imagine one of the disciples looks to the side, and as they're rowing, they see something. And one of the disciples looks and and sees that it looks like a ghost is coming their way. Someone is, a ghost is walking on the water. It was bad enough that they were in a storm without Jesus. Now they're in a storm without Jesus and a ghost is coming their way. And so they do like, you know, you would do on Friday the 13th. You know, you start rowing harder. And the harder that they start rowing, the ghost keeps pursuing them. And and they row harder, the ghost keeps coming. They row faster, the ghost keeps coming at them. And it's Jesus walking on the water. Now, at this point, you got to ask, why would Jesus do this? Why couldn't he walk to them like at 6, you know, at 3 p.m.? You know, as, oh, that's Jesus. I don't know why he's walking on water, but he's walking on water. 3 a.m. is just like, that's a scary time to be walking on water. 
And so why does Jesus do, is this Jesus trying to play a practical joke on his disciples because of their lack of faith in their earlier story? He's like, these guys get on my nerves so much. I know what I'll do. I'll walk on water at 3 a.m. in the morning. That'll get their attention. Perhaps. But I think there might be another option. You see, Jesus' walking on water is significant because the sea in ancient times was the place of warfare. The sea is the place of evil. It's the place of the demonic. And so it was common belief that the powers of evil dwelled in the deep, deep in the waters of the sea. The deep was the dwelling place of Leviathan, which was the, the great sea monster which represented the powers of darkness in ancient times. And so when, when Jesus walks on water, he's letting his disciples know something. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with dread. They're filled with fear. But Jesus is letting his disciples know something. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I am greater than the sea. And the way that I'll prove it is I'll just walk on the sea. To prove my authority over the sea, I am going to walk on the sea. And so get the picture. While the disciples are worried about the water, Jesus is walking on the water. And with this action, he's letting his disciples know something that no matter how bad the storm gets, no matter how dark it gets, Jesus has power over the waters. And Jesus will show up in your storms. For some of you today, you're, you're in the storm, as it seems, by yourself. But I have good news for you. Jesus has authority over the waters. Jesus has authority over the storm. And he is walking towards you. And when Jesus walks towards them, he, not just, he doesn't just give them his presence. He gives them his power as well. And Jesus says the, in, these incredible words that he's speaking to you today. In your own boat, in your own storm, Jesus shows up and he says these words, take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. Now, one translation says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. That's not the right translation. The right translation is, I am. And when Jesus says, I am, he is, he is, he is letting them know that there's a, there's a story that connects from the Old Testament. That when Moses was about to go to Pharaoh, Moses said, Who's gonna, who should I say sent me to go to Pharaoh? And, and God says, and he says, tell them I am sent you. I am what? I am that I am. You know, it's, oh, okay, I'll tell. I am what you need me to be. And Jesus is saying the same God that delivered Moses through the waters is the same God that's here. That's going to deliver. I am. Do not be afraid. So many of us have lived with fear that we don't know that another reality is possible. And Jesus says to you, I am. Do not be afraid. And this is what Jesus is speaking to us today. Some of you are in storms. You're at work storms. You are in marriage storms. You're in financial storms. You're in psychological storms. You feel far from land, but the word of the Lord is, take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. And when Jesus comes, he gives us his presence. But not only does he give us his presence, he gives us his power in the storm. I love what Peter says after this, Peter asks a bizarre question, three o'clock in the morning, he sees Jesus walking at him, Jesus says, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid, and then Peter asks a question, he goes, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come on the water with you, I imagine the disciples just rolling their eyes, brother, shut up, I mean, what are you talking about, it might be a real ghost, you know, if it's you, tell me, and, and Jesus says one word, he says, come, come, 
Now, I, I, know, I love what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, Peter, this is for trained professionals. Don't try this at home. He says, come. And with that word, Jesus says to Peter, and Jesus says to you today, if you come to me, I will give you the same power to walk through storms. I will give you the same power to walk on water. The stuff that used to sink in, now you're able to walk on it. The, air, the anxiety that used to cripple you, now you are somehow above it now. Because I've given you my power, I've given you my authority. And as Peter comes to Jesus, he experiences Jesus' power in a way that he could never do before. And isn't it interesting? This is what God does with us. God creates situations in our lives for the purpose of revelation. He creates situations for revelation. And he creates situations in our lives, unbeknownst to us, so that we can get a picture of the facet of who he is in ways that we can never get before. And so God creates in your life situations for revelations. And in this moment, they never experienced the power of Jesus in this way. And he created a situation for them. And now Jesus has revealed himself to them in significant power. And so this moment of revelation becomes the precursor to their transformation. And Peter is now transformed. He's able to do something he could never do before because he has now a glimpse of who Jesus really is. And this revelation precedes his transformation. And I love that about the story. And this is what God is doing in your life. When God allows situations to come your way, it becomes a wonderful opportunity for a fresh revelation of his character to emerge. And out of that fresh revelation of his character, the transformation of our lives begin to happen as well. And Jesus simply says to us, come. Come to me. I will transform you. Come to me. You'll be able to do stuff you couldn't do in your own power. Come to me. I will give you my kind of life. Come to me. I will give you my peace. Come to me. I'll give you my power. Come to me. I'll give you my authority. Come. And Jesus is telling you today, come. In your fears, in your anxieties, come. In, in your life crippling you, he says, come. Come to me. When I was sick, you know, I, I realized that there was so much anxiety and so much dread that hit me during the course of a couple of weeks that I could not even open my Bible or, or, or really pray, sit down and pray. I was just overcome with so much anxiety, so much dread, so much fear, thinking about my future, thinking about my family's future, my wife is pregnant, what in the world is happening, so much dread, so much fear. And I realized that in that moment, really, it, it was me just in the simplicity of coming to Jesus sticking with Jesus, staying with Jesus. And even though I couldn't verbally pray, in my heart I was praying over and over the first psalm that I memorized, Psalm 27. I couldn't even open, I had no strength to open the Bible. Time and time again, I just say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set my foot upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted above all my enemies. Surrounded, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 
Have you ever been so filled with fear you can't even do anything? And all of a sudden, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my light. I, I was held by people praying for me. This is why when you're experiencing, you need community around you. You need people to cast, Pete mentioned, you need people to carry you to God, people to carry you to Jesus. That when fear and anxiety tries to cripple, you need people around you. The only thing I knew to do, though, is to keep coming to Jesus. Because stick with Jesus. When you're in a storm, you have two options. You can survive in your own strength. Or you can come to Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, he gives us his power. The sheer fact that you're here on a Sunday morning, you're coming to Jesus. When you gather for small groups, you're coming to Jesus. When you open script, you're coming to Jesus. You are sticking with him when perhaps the easier thing would be to keep on rowing in your own strength. And as he says, come, he says, I will give you my presence. I will give you my power. And so the word of the Lord to you is, take heart. I am. Do not be afraid. Are you in a a place far from land today? Are you in an unfamiliar place? Are you filled with fear today? If so, Jesus says, come. Come to me. And as you come to me, I will fill your heart with peace. Don't be afraid. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. And I want to give us a moment to come to Jesus in, in silence right now. And I want to give us an opportunity to have a, an exchange with God. That we give him our anxiety and fear. And in turn receive his peace and his power. Where are you far from land today? Where are you in unfamiliar territory today? Wherever you are, he says, take heart. I am. Do not fear. I wonder if I should close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you came in here with some fear, came in here with some anxiety, came in here thinking the worst about your situation, already thinking about ways that this is going to unfold. And God wanted to stop you this morning to say, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Let's just pause for a moment, then we'll go into some worship together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the authority that we have in that name. The authority that, in spite of fear and anxiety, fills us with peace. Then the fact that opposition is coming our way, that you are with us, you are for us, that you give us your presence and your power.
And so, Lord, I pray that there would be an exchange today where we give you our fear and anxiety and we receive your peace and power. Lord, may we walk out of this building different than the way we came in. May you fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your presence. Lord, we thank you for the moments that we can't see clearly, that in those moments you are revealing yourself to us in ways that we wouldn't see any other way. And so, Lord, now we sing to you words of worship, words of gratitude. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's all stand and sing together. Dark, it's windy as it were, and yet Jesus is coming to you. And he says, it is I, I am, take courage, don't be afraid. And then Jesus says, come. I want to invite the uh, the prayer team to come to my right. Jesus says, come. And really, uh, how how do I apply this message? It's very simple. You come. Come where? You come to Jesus. What does that mean? You, you abide in him. You stick with him. For some of you, that means coming to Jesus for the first time. That you've never made a decision to trust in Christ. That you, you're around in darkness right now. You're swimming in darkness trying to figure out, how do I make sense of my life? And the invitation from the Lord to you today is, come. You're saying, I haven't figured it out. That's the, that's the key. Come. You haven't, you'll never figure it out. Come to him. Let him rescue you. Let him forgive you. Let him pour out his love on you. If you've never come to Jesus before, we have a prayer team here that would love to walk you through that. And maybe you've come to Jesus before, but you're in a storm right now, and you're saying, I need to come back to him. And this is our lives. Christianity is coming back to Jesus over and over and over again. That's what Christians coming back to him over and over. And he wants to give you his peace today will dispel fear and anxiety. And so as, you, as God leads you, as I close this gathering, you can come forward for prayer. And so on my left, we have the Lord's table here. Jesus says, I want to remind you that I'm present with you. And so I'm going to leave a couple of elements behind. I'm going to leave bread and I'm going to leave a cup. So every time you take bread and dip it in the cup, it's a reminder that I am with you, that I'm for you, that I love you. And so as we close our gathering, you can come up as well. We have Peter and Kelly here to offer that to you. As you take bread, he's broken and bruised so that you might be whole and healed. It is, I am, he says. Take heart. Do not be afraid. As we close our gathering, I'm going to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And as I pray for you, may you be filled with the power of God, the peace of God which dispels all fear and anxiety. Brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And this week in the midst of storms and winds and waves, may you walk on water. May you be filled with his power. May you be filled with his authority. May you be filled with his peace. May you be filled with his love. May you be filled with his joy. May you be filled with his life. And may that life overflow to others that are experiencing fear and anxiety. And may your peace overwhelm their fear. May your peace overwhelm their anxiety. And so I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said... 
Amen. Grace and peace, everyone.